welcome to the inaugural episode of Beats by Transplant Social Work. I'm Kristen. And I'm Tiffany, your host for the show. We are both certified clinical transplant social workers who specialize in all things heart transplant and LVAD also known as left ventricular assist device. Our goal is to talk all things transplant and LVAD. All of the things. <laughs> From the social work perspective. And to bring the human element into the world of transplant for our fellow social works and our patients. We are both very passionate individuals. And although we may take the scenic route, we invite you along this journey with us. Okay, so if any of you are familiar with the work of Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages, Tiffany and I share the love language of constantly taking on projects and are very passionate about each project that we take on. So true. <laughs> we are quite excited about this, and we hope that you all will be as well. We're planning to structure the series to follow along the psychosocial evaluation, discussing why we ask the questions we do, the importance of the topics, and diving deeper into the areas. We are hopeful to make this a safe space to learn, to be refueled, to be heard, and feel understood. We want to challenge each other to be the best that we can for ourselves and for our patients and give permission to challenge us. We are often told what to do, but there is not always time to explore the why you do it. That's what our goal is here. Exactly. So this podcast is intended for social workers that work in the field of transplant and or LVAD, mechanical circulatory devices. If you're a patient pursuing a transplant or LVAD, or you happen to be a caregiver of a patient who is following the journey of transplant or LVAD, we also welcome you here. However, we are transplant social workers. We are not your transplant social workers. We hope topics discussed here may lead you to further discussion with your own transplant or LVAD social worker. And I'd also like to say, if you happen to be another transplant professional that stumbled across, you are also welcome here. And we hope that this helps you understand and form better collaborations and discussions with your transplant social workers. Absolutely. The important thing about transplant is that it is a team. It is a team sport. You cannot, you don't get to the Olympics by yourself, right? If I showed up to the arena and said, hey, I'm here for the Olympics, what's up? They would look at me and think I was nuts. It takes I your... Mean, what it, sport would you go to though for? Dude, why did you have to ask me that? <laughs> power walking. Have you ever seen the people that do power walking where they look like noodles because they're so like wobbly? That would be me. I have. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so our show will start with what we call a vital check. Like when you go to the doctor and you do the pre-visit and they check your vitals, your labs, go over your meds with you. Uh, we think it's important to check in with each other. And so we want to make sure that we're doing that. Kind of know how much fuel is in our tank before we really get rolling. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That being said, Kristen, hot seat. How are you? What's going on? <sighs> well, I worked from home the last couple of days. Um, so I did the uh, two full-time jobs in one day thing. I um, My caregiver for my daughter had COVID and couldn't oh. watch her. And so I worked from home catching up on some documentation and stuff like that while watching her. And so that was honestly a little more stressful than I had expected. And because she's learning to walk. And so it was, oh dear, we're going to fall into everything. Um, but I was able to catch up on all my documentation during nap times. And so that was a win, a huge win in my book. So I'd have wow. to say... 
Better than horrible, but not perfect. Okay. Hey, <laughs> nobody's perfect, right? And if you do full-time jobs, I mean, I barely keep up with my one full-time job um, and all the extracurriculars I have added onto that. But you're doing a great job, in case you didn't hear that. Being a mom is hard. I'm not one, but I commend all of them that are. And by the way, happy belated Mother's Day to all those mothers out there killing it. So my question for you, superstar, Likert scale, all right? On a, let's say a scale of, and these might change each week, guys, but say Disney princesses getting ready for the ball to Britney Spears circa 2007 to, let's say, a love child between a a dumpster fire and a train wreck. (laughs) Where would you be? So I would say I'm not quite Disney princess, but I'd say that I feel more like the mice that got Cinderella's first dress ready. The super cute one with the pink and the lace and all of that. That's me. Like super excited that we're getting into this work week and getting back to normal. And because, dude, I don't know how these moms did it during the full-blown lockdown when there was no option but you and your kids and this, that, and the other, especially if you had more than one. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, I would say I'm Disney Mouse status. <laughs> but I, I do have to check because, you know, mandated reporter and all, are you hearing voices? Are, are mice talking to you? Not today. Okay. Okay. No. I don't want to hear anything more. Uh, <laughs> it's not today. Not today. <laughs> All right, Good. Tiffany, how about you? How are you doing? You know what? I'm okay. Uh, it's Sunday after having two days off. So that might be a different answer come tomorrow. But right now, uh, I'm doing all right. Friday was a flex day for me. And I allowed myself or tried to make myself not do anything, uh, which is not the norm. I'm usually logging on. I only logged on like twice. Um, and it was just to look at things. It wasn't to actually do work. Uh, and then I felt guilty. So I ended up working on some extracurriculars that I'm involved in a couple of abstract reviews that I have to get done. Um, but other than that, I got to spend some time with some friends. I got to, you know, give myself some me time. Uh, so I'm okay right now. Although the, the angst of, of the week is, settling in. There's a potential expedited evaluation I hear, maybe a tra- coming over for transfer of care um, or rather being transferred to our center for potential transplant. I uh, have some documentation I am not caught up on. So yeah, that, that Sunday, Sunday social work mm-hmm. nerves are coming in. Yes, especially when you know you have documentation to catch up on, which I feel like perpetually is our you know, hang up. Right. All right. So Tiffany, the real question is my, my Likert scale for you. Um, on a scale of winery train experience that goes up the coast of California to all the different wineries in the Sonoma Valley to hot mess express, what train station are you on? You know, I'd say I'm in uh, I'm in the drink cart on the five o'clock train st- on a Friday. So we have a lot of stops along the way. Okay. But I'm in the drink cart and let the the day go with having a drink with a <laughs> we'll say it's a good bartender. 
Okay, good. So there's a little bit of a positive, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I'd say it's, it's a lot of positive. There's drinks, mm-hmm. a good bartender. I'm content. Yeah. There's a lot going on around me, but I'm, uh, I'm focusing on, on just that moment. Good for you. That's awesome. And that's one of the reasons why we need to talk about self-care, right? Because everybody has a healthy dose, sometimes an unhealthy dose, but everybody has a few positive and functional coping mechanisms. And some, most of us, have a few not so functional and what we would like to call maladaptive coping mechanisms. So it's, you know, a little yin, a little yang, a little uh, positive and negative. So it's good to acknowledge how we're doing and are we utilizing more of our positive versus our negative coping skills? Agreed. Agreed. And you know what? I, I am. I have decided I'm going to get back into running, which is something that I used to love doing and I haven't done in a while. Um, I've recently turned another year older and I am trying to self-reflect and I realized that when I was running more, um, I was doing better. So I decided that I'm just going to start running and I've been, I mean, it's only been a couple of days. So like, you know, let me just not say that I'm doing all the things, but so I started, I've ran a couple of days and I've drank a couple of the days. Good for I'll you. Be hey, so you're just getting dehydrated in two different ways, basically. Yeah, but there's water. There's always the water. So, well, I hope you're I am not on a fluid restriction. <laughs> yeah. And I hope that you're drinking water because how hot did you say it was there? Uh, 102 at 344. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, it is 95 here. So thankfully I'm not quite to where you're at yet, but that is in my future as well. So today's quote is connection is the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. That is from our ever famous Brene Brown, who Mm -hmm. I hope to be when I grow up. Girl. Don't we all? Yes. Don't we all? You know, and I love that quote because I think that brings it into what our hope is for this podcast, you know, the, the word connection and feeling seen and feeling and the ever so in the field of social work, feeling valued. Yes. Um, I know that can be a difficult one for us in social work and, you know, we're in it for the outcome, not the income, but sometimes we, that value, because even though we are part of the big five, we deserve a seat at the table. Um, people kind of set the seat for us because they have to. So can you explain who the big five are? Yes, absolutely. So big five for CMS guidelines. So we're talking when an individual goes through transplant, when you have your evaluation, the big five have to be part of it, as well as especially your selection conference, the big five, your physician, your surgeon, your social worker, your pharmacist, and your nutritionist, the big five. Of course, there's more people, but those are the ones that CMS are saying have got to be at the table, have got to be present at the selection conferences, and have got to speak up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we have to have a seat at the table and um, holding space for that seat and what it means. And then we are clinicians. Um, So 
that brings me into my next question. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background? Mm. I uh, don't always like talking about myself, but sure. <laughs> I am, let's see, in the social work field as a whole for over 16 years, started out as brain injury and then did that while I was getting my master's. And after I got my master's, I moved states cross country and took on a role. Uh, I was a general clinical social worker and then got into lung transplant mm. and fell in love with the world of transplant. Mm -hmm. uh, developed a passion. I did lung and I was a living donor. So I got to wear two hats, which was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, being able to help these patients going through the transplant evaluation process journey, as well as those that were making the decision to donate, um, at being living donors and making sure they were doing it for the right reasons, making sure they had thought about it, yeah. making sure they weren't feeling the pressure for it, mm -hmm. but also just making sure they felt valued um, as well for doing it. So I would see patients that were uh, coming in to help a loved one, to help a friend, and the altruistic, uh, also known as the Good Samaritan, that were doing it just because they knew that the lists were long or they wanted to do something in their life that you know oh, wow. didn't come with strings essentially. Mm -hmm. So that was when I fell in love with the world of transplants. And then um, after doing that for several years, I moved across the country again <laughs> to take on heart and LVAD social work. Mm. And so I've been doing that for the last four years in Phoenix, Arizona. And um, part of a lot of institutional Kind of work groups, but also part of a lot of um, national and international work groups, hold some board memberships um, in some of those groups, and yeah. just love trying to push our field of social work forward and love just trying to push the world of transplant forward, innovations, and being part of um, protocols and policies. I'm kind of a nerd that I like research too, and I like policies and workflows. So, you know, there's that. Although I'm not going to say it's a nerd, I'm going to say it's like a cool nerd. Oh, well, yeah, obviously. And that's how things change, right? We, that's how we right? improve our processes because the nerds behind the scenes are the ones reviewing all the literature and telling us what's evidence-based. Yes. Very, and very, very someone's important. someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it, right? Heck yes. So Kristen, tell me about you. <laughs> okay. So I am a native Texan. I um, do not have a vast history of uh, experience living in different parts of the country. So I am quite jealous of you for that. Um, but I stayed in the Lone Star State for the duration of so far my adult life. So um, with that, I started off in rural social work. I worked in very small hospitals in smaller areas um, in rural Texas and basically made my way to the Texas Medical Center in Houston. So I started, I've always done hospital social work and the last eight, nine years. I've been um, in the Texas Medical Center and the last six of those years, I've been in LVAD and heart transplant. I am like you, I fell in love with the world of transplant and I truly have a passion for LVADs. That's more where my um, wheels start to turn. There is uh, so much that we can learn and grow from in the field of 
LVADs, left ventricular assist device, mechanical circulatory support devices, and the psychosocial components of that. Seeing that there is a significant impact on the social functioning, and especially when you deal with lack of resources and lack of community knowledge about LVADs, everybody knows essentially about heart transplant, right? We've seen it in the movies, we've seen it in TV shows. Unfortunately, it is not remotely accurate, which we can get into. <laughs> we could really unpack that. But if someone said, do you know what a heart transplant is? 90% of people would probably say, yes, I know, you know, and, and explain their understanding of it. But if you said, do you know what an elephant is? Unless you've seen that one. Oh, I do. Okay. What? Grey's Anatomy. Uh... Anatomy, right? They cut, they cut, that's how they got them up on the, the, Uno's list, right? Oh, I hate when people say it like that. Oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. That episode is the Uno's bane list. of my existence. But yes, and so um, I, like you, really got into it. I joined several organizations that want to improve the processes for LVAD patients and transplant patients. And a little bit of my nerd side has come out too. So that is me. Wonderful. You know, and it is, I, I like it. I love the passion there. And I think that's one of the things that's drawn us together. I will tell you guys that Kristen and I have never actually met in person, at least that we're aware of. We may have at conferences in passing, but had no idea who each other were. <laughs> yeah. <time>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Well, I'm sure that we passed in different conferences and, you know, years past, but we really got close during COVID. And mm -hmm. um, so we, we have become virtual buddies. <laughs> yes, yes. We're getting we're getting on the word. I would say I think starting this podcast, the, the F word um, <gasps> might be making its way there. The, uh, the friend. I think we're friends, guys. Oh my gosh, you guys have no idea how hard I worked for that status. Like, I have worked so hard. I'm like, my little cup is so full. Okay, now I'm at Disney princess status. You just <laughs> yes. upped me there. <laughs> my whole goal is to bring joy. Good. Bring joy. <laughs> Okay, so we've talked about like who we are. We've talked about our goals for the podcast. So um, I really want us to unpack very briefly the first surface level of what a transplant social worker does. Who are we in the world of transplant? Because you know, you, you know, you got to see a doctor, you know, you're going to see a surgeon, um, you know, you're going to see nurses. But whenever I tell some of my friends, like, you know, like when my friends are like, hey, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a transplant social worker. They're like, wait, you're a social worker, but you work with kids, right? And I'm like, no, I mean, not all social workers work with kids and some do, but not me. And so how would, how would you explain what it is that we do as transplant social workers? Yes. So I like to say that we are like a multi-tool. So that's a big thing right now is it used to be Swiss Army knives, but, but, but it's come across the years to a multi-tool because the multi-tools have all the things, right? The, the guys are carrying it around. Girls are carrying it around. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. I kind of want one after my brother got one, mm. but it can do all the things. 
And so I like to say that's what we do because we wear so many different hats. So we are navigating the world of transplant mm -hmm. with the patient. So whenever I go into a room, I always introduce myself and say, I'm the logistics. Um, I start with saying that this appointment is going to be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I tell them about the topics we're going to discuss. And I say that, you know, it's one thing to be told that you need a transplant. It's one thing to be told that you're in end stage organ failure, but it's another thing to figure out how does it actually work? Right. You know, what is life like? What does it mean to take off work for, you know, if you're in heart or LVAD, potentially three months, mm -hmm. um, as well as a caregiver for three months as a patient, it could be a lot longer depending on your job. And that will be uh, something we discussed down the road. But what does it mean for that loss of income for the household? Yeah. What does it mean for your insurance during that time? What is FMLA, family medical leave? What what are short-term disabilities, long-term disabilities? What does it mean to be a transplant recipient? And mm -hmm. how do you incorporate that into your identity without making it your sole identity, but a part of you? Because yes. it can be difficult when you have that chronic disease that you're the sick person, right? If it's, if you're an individual that's been living with it for years, mm -hmm. that you are changing, you may have lost friends, you may have lost your role in who you were within your family unit. And then as you get the transplant, what does that mean to be now a, a quote, healthy individual? And where do you fit in? And what is your role now? And how do you, how does your family talk with you and embrace that, that you're no longer the, the sick individual. And so we get to navigate that. Mm -hmm. The social worker's role is to help you on each phase. So you're pre, you're during the waiting phase, you're post. Um, mm -hmm. We do all of that. We help you navigate it from the emotional perspective. We help you navigate it from the financial perspective. We help put plans in place for you to present to the team. Now, of course, we are a member of the team. We are not the one that makes the sole decision. Yes. So I, I want to reiterate that because sometimes people say, well, the social worker is the one who didn't want me this or that. So I also often say we, it is a team decision. Mm -hmm. I provide the team with the information, with the facts. I, I always, I love to describe it as the three bubbles, your medical, your surgical and your psychosocial. Mm -hmm. And those bubbles in the middle, it's like a ventricular diagram, right? In the middle is the patient, where we hope you are. Exactly. So sorry, I just went on a tangent. Oh, no, no, thank you. I mean, that that's exactly the best way to describe it. And I'll also add, too, that we you touched on it, too, with the coping. So we also look at... Um, any type of high risk behaviors. So we're looking at uh, how does transplant as a puzzle piece fit into the jigsaw puzzle that is who you are and your life, but also are there any what we would consider high risk behaviors that may mean transplant is not the ideal treatment option for you. And there's also this common misconception that transplant is a cure. That once I get my quote unquote new heart or new kidneys or, you know, what have you, then things I'll be better. I'll be back to normal and really quickly yeah. real, realizing that you're finding a new normal. And that becomes such a corny phrase, but I, there's no other ways to put it. 
It's the truth, though. I mean, I use a phrase, too. It's one of my nuggets is the new normal. Mm-hmm. I like to say that after transplant, it's a new normal. And eventually, and hopefully years down the line, that becomes just your normal. We drop the new. Yeah. But it's about the approach and it's a, it's changing. It's ever changing because, you know, as social workers, one of the things, this is one of a little CMS nugget, you know, we always have to tell the patients about the psychosocial risks, mm-hmm. increased risk of depression, increased risk of anxiety, caregiver dependence, post-traumatic stress disorder, financial burden, and guilt. Those mm-hmm. are part of the psychosocials. And if you already have some of those, they can get heightened. Mm-hmm. And our number one thing is we never want to put you into a more difficult position than you're already in. We never want to do more harm, mm-hmm. right? That's our role is to do no harm or do the least harm knowingly, right? And so if you're going to be someone that that depression, that anxiety prohibits you from having that quality of life that you so desire, mm-hmm. you know, we have to consider that and think about that. Absolutely. And it's not necessarily to rule somebody out, but to make sure that we have a plan in place that can support them in that. And Mm -hmm. if there's something, so going back to those high risk behaviors, if there is something where there's not a feasible plan in place, then Mm -hmm. alternative treatment options or discussing palliative care may be the direction that that goes in. And so some of those high risk behaviors could be, you know, an extensive substance abuse history or active substance use, um, Lack of a living, a stable living situation, homelessness, um, very significant lack of resources or support, having mm-hmm. a caregiver, having family support or friends, whoever you may consider to be a caregiver. If you don't have that, like we said earlier, transplant is a team approach. You have to have people in your court. So that takes us to another part of being a transplant social worker is we do palliative care work. This is a palliative care practice. You are in in-stage organ failure. Our patients are in in-stage organ failure. And so palliative care is a very large part of that conversation. Yeah. I mean, the reality of it, and I think this is something that we need to talk about as transplant social workers, is the death part. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, I like to say we're, we're trying to be as social workers in this field, we are cautiously optimistic, yeah. right? Because we're trying to get individuals ready for transplant or for an LVAD mm-hmm. for an advanced therapy. And sometimes that doesn't happen. You know, I, I am huge on analogies. You guys will learn that if you haven't by now, uh, another nugget, uh, I say there's there's three hurdles. The first hurdle is getting through the evaluation. Are you a candidate? I'd say the second hurdle is, okay, we've decided you're a candidate. We've approved you. We've gotten you listed. Does an organ come available? Because that's the other part is just because you are approved and listed doesn't mean that an organ's going to come. And yeah. dealing with that can be very difficult. And then the third hurdle leads to the marathon, which is the organ comes your recovery and getting out of the hospital. 
and then living life. Absolutely. No, that's a great analogy. And I'm going to add one to that. I learned this from my mentor and the one who trained me in transplant social work and VAD social work. She always told me that transplant is like a book series. So if you think about, you know, your favorite book series, I'm so sorry, but for me, it's Harry Potter and it will always be Harry Potter. Um, But... Uh, Think about basically a trilogy of books, right? So Transplant is a trilogy of book. And the first book is Life Before Transplant. And it's the well-loved book. It's the one that has all the folded up pages, the highlights, the pen marks, the everything letting you know who you are and all the nuances that make you who you are. And then your doctors come and tell you, hey, listen, you need a transplant or you need an LVAD. And all the things that helped you cope, helped you be who you are, are called into question because they there's a significant lifestyle change there with cha- with transplant and LVAD. And so you have to shut that book. And then the second one is the evaluation process, which is like a manual. It's go here, take this test, drink this and stay for this scan and get all these labs and this, that and the other. And it's very daunting and can be can be very challenging because it is demanding. So then you kind of stay in that book until a transplant becomes available and then your third book opens and that looks more like a journal. It's blank. It's who you define it to be or what you define it to be. And that is really, like you said, the, the big journey, the long, the marathon. It's because transplant will only last as long as your efforts are to take care of it for the most part. Well, I think, uh, I think I love that analogy though. I love it. You're, you're opening the book yet written, right? And it's about what you put on those pages and that is your story and you write it, but you're also writing it with the help of editors in a sense, your transplant team. Yes. You know, and that's the biggest thing is that you have to remember why you went through this journey. And that's the thing that's going to help you in the word that, you know, most people don't like. Uh, We might get comments on it if I say it, but compliance, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. your, your compliance is a big part of that. And so you're the one that has to put in the efforts at that point. You know, we've, we've, as a team, we're going to be there to continue to support you, to continue to help you, to continue to be your editors, Mm -hmm. but you're the one that's writing it down. You're the one that's living it. And mm-hmm. so that's the part where can you say at the end of the day, well, this, it wasn't because of anything that I did, you know, if right. that rejection comes, if that virus comes, something like that, can you say, well, I'd never miss my meds. I exercise, I did the things I was supposed to, mm-hmm. or are you going to be looking back and saying, oh shoot, you know, I wasn't, I didn't always take it on time. My meds, I didn't go to the doctor. I didn't do my labs or I didn't really read the labels. I was further out than I thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a very good way to put it too, because the book isn't going to be written by the editors. Nope. It's going to be written by the author. And mm-hmm. that's why we do what we do is to help tie in the medical 
components of this treatment option and how it ties into their life and their quality of life. And that it's not who they are as a whole, but part of who they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I think... <laughs> So that's it. I mean, that's why we're doing this show. And I'm super excited because there's so much to unpack. I mean, we could talk for hours as it is. And then we would have 50 million episodes by the time we're done recording tonight. Yeah. (laughs) But don't worry, I'll I'll bring the wine next time. (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good. Red, please. Oh, okay. So it's heart, uh, it's heart healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Although, so fun fact, uh, I'm very allergic to the sulfites. Oh, so I know it's so sad. Okay. That's who we are. That's why we're here. That's what we're doing. We hope that you continue to join in with us. I am so excited to build this community with you, Tiffany, and with everyone out there listening. So this week's transplant fun fact is, Tiffany, did you know that the first transplant occurred as a living donor between fraternal twins in 1954? Um, duh. <laughs> Doesn't everybody know that? I mean, obviously. I, gosh, I'm going to have to come up with a better uh, fact next time. <laughs> you know, they, they, I think, uh, I have to fact check myself, but uh, there was... Went on to win a Nobel Peace Prize for that, too. Oh, cool. But, yes, I am super excited as well. As you can probably see from both of us, our passion. And we can just continue to talk. And we are full of analogies and metaphors and all of those things. And I love it. It's cheesy, but it's so good. And it is, hopefully you guys will share some of your nuggets and share some of your um, fun facts. Hopefully you guys beatbox with us. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so this is something I want to toss out to our audience. If you have a win, if you have a hooray moment that you want us to shout out to, then send it to us. We want to celebrate our victories as social workers. So please take a look at our contact information in the show notes and make sure to send us a hooray moment because we want to celebrate as a team. Heck yes. Say it louder for the people in the back. Yeah. Absolutely. We get a few, we get some wins in this world and we need to celebrate them. (laughs) We sure do. We sure do. I'm calling it beatbox. You know, you get it, guys. I like it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, I translate social work with our beatbox. We can work with that. We can work with that. But, (laughs) girl, I'm all for it. I'm for it. Let's do it. Okay. So, thanks for listening, guys. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We're Kristen and Tiffany. Working in Transplant takes a team. We hear you and we see you. We're in this together and together we are stronger. Be sure to check out our show notes for more information found in today's episode. Take a look at our website for additional resources and links that may have been mentioned in today's episode. You can also find us on Instagram and our website, which is found in the show notes. Bye now. Bye-bye. This podcast solely reflects the individual opinions, positions, and or viewpoints taken by its hosts and guests and does not reflect or represent any official opinions, positions, and or viewpoints of the Society for Transplant Social Workers Incorporated, its board of directors, and or membership.